Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. And welcome to the Situation Report today. Very glad, as always, to have you joining me. This is the show where we do our best to give you the information and perspectives you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. My name is Jeremy Stoliker. I am your host. And today we're going to jump into a topic that is uh, often discussed, although in the Christian world, at least, it's discussed on the periphery. There are varying degrees of opinion on this particular topic, and I want to spend a few moments today on this. And uh, man, there's so much going on. And when we talk about having the information and perspectives we need to navigate a culture that's changing, so often what we need is to be reminded that we have to think about it. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? That we have to be reminded to think about it. There is so much information coming our direction all of the time that from time to time, we just need to be reminded of these issues that are important to us and reminded that it's probably time for us to re-engage with that topic, to think about it again. Today, we are going to discuss, uh, again, a topic that is is often talked about, particularly in the Christian world, and uh, varying opinions, varying degrees of belief. But we're going to talk about Christians and science, not Christian science. That's a, that's a whole different thing. <laughs> Christians and science. Uh, we are at this weird moment in time where we have people screaming about believe the science, trust the science, and yet they don't always trust the science or believe the science. It seems like the ones screaming about believing the science are willing to look right past actual science if they can pursue their own agendas apart from the science. But if science happens to support their opinion, they'll come back and say, we need to trust the science. Uh, Crazy, crazy time to be alive for so many reasons. But as Christians and as a Christian community, it, it seems like there are people in the Christian world These are those who have made a profession of faith, meaning uh, they believe in God the Creator, they believe in sin, they believe in brokenness, they believe that Jesus is God, Uh, they believe these things. They believe the basic uh, orthodox teachings of Scripture. There are then varying degrees of opinion about science from those folks. Uh, There are people that will say, Christian people, that say what is called science is not compatible with the Bible. Then there are those on the other side that would say what we know about the Bible needs to be framed with our understanding of science. So if science has taught us something and that contradicts the Bible, we need to lean on science. Uh, And then there are people across the spectrum, whether it's in the middle, closer to one end or the other, uh, throughout that spectrum of understanding. There are people outside of the Christian community who loudly declare that science has no connection whatsoever to what they would call religion, probably not Christianity, uh, to faith. That science and faith, science and religion, science and belief in God should be completely separate. 
that to believe in God, the creator, to believe in a Bible, the Bible, to believe in a system of faith, of religious faith, or religious practice is completely contrary to what science and the scientific world have taught us. There has to be friction. There has to be conflict. That's what we have been taught in so many places. Uh, I came across an interesting article this week, and this is what made me want to talk about this. And then we're going to jump into some of the the research behind this topic. But uh, this article is from the Christian Post. The title is, NASA Astronaut Says Science Doesn't Contradict Christianity. Bible Museum Opens New Exhibit. And uh, a lot of this is based on a new exhibit, as is in the title, title uh, being opened at the Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. Uh, I just was at the Museum of the Bible last week. Uh, I've been there before with my family. An incredible, incredible museum. Uh, if you care about the, the foundations of your faith, it definitely needs to be on your bucket list of places to go. I know D.C. is not the easiest place to get in and out of, and, and you may not have another reason to go there. But an incredible museum, several floors of uh, history, of understanding, of support for the Bible that we have, and understanding why it's so important. A new exhibit in the Museum of the Bible is this museum, uh, this exhibit rather, on uh, Scripture and Science. It's called the Scripture and Science Exhibit, Our Universe, Ourselves, Our Place. And I'm glad that they've added this. And they look to the Bible, they look to science, and they see where these two agree and how they agree and talk about some of the history of Christians in the scientific community. Uh, I want to read some of this article uh, to you and, and for you. Again, I just want us to think about this. This is not exhaustive. This is a podcast, and I'm not a scientist. <laughs> but I do believe that God is the creator, that all real science reveals God the Creator, what He has created and how He has created it. And really, science is man's search for understanding what God has done. Uh, I don't believe that they are in conflict. And now I think there are scientists who are in conflict to what the Bible says. Uh, but I think real science, a sincere understanding or desire to understand what God has made, what God has created, how the world works and how our bodies work and how uh, the system that we operate within on this planet, how it works, uh, that is not in conflict with God or the Bible. Now, there are things that we don't understand. There are uh, areas that science has revealed to us that we may not understand how they uh, connect to what the Bible teaches. And certainly the Bible is not a scientific manual. And so there are things uh, outside of the Bible that we can learn from science and we should learn from science. And that's very important. But science does not uh, run in contradiction to the understanding or the belief that there is a God who is the creator. So that's the premise. We'll read some of this article. It says here, a former NASA astronaut said he believes the study of nature and science are intertwined with scripture. At the, at the opening of a new exhibit at the Museum of the Bible, about the good book's role in the relationship between science and Christianity. Now, I quoted that. I, I, I'm not a fan of calling the Bible the good book, but that's how it's, it's said here in this article. That's a direct quote. Uh, next paragraph, Jeff Williams, a retired NASA astronaut who traveled to space on four separate occasions, told the Christian Post during a visit to the exhibit titled Scripture and Science, Our Universe, Ourselves, Our Place, that he spent 534 days in space from 2000 to 2016. That's a long time. Uh, a devout Christian, Williams previously attended a Lutheran church, Missouri Synod congregation for many years, 
and now attends a Bible church in Washington State. Williams, who has been heavily involved in scientific research relating to astronomical studies for roughly 26 years, said the new exhibit reaffirmed his belief that science goes hand-in-hand with Christianity, each complementing the other. Science does not contradict Christianity. There is no contradiction. The contradiction comes into your philosophy going into your science, said Williams, and your philosophy acknowledges a God that has either revealed himself specifically in the scriptures of the Bible, or your philosophy discounts or doesn't allow a God, then you have to explain the existence of everything by chance over time. I'll come back to this article, but but a wonderful point he makes here. It is your philosophy that you're bringing into your science. This is what we call bias. Now, true scientific effort is supposed to be had without bias. It is supposed to be a blank slate that follows the evidence Uh, that allows the evidence to guide the discussion and the understanding. Uh, Science is supposed to be uh, something that we can observe and something that we can repeat and something that we can understand as it reveals itself to us. And yet, if you are a scientist that takes your own philosophy, let's assume you believe that there is no God, you take that into your research, then everything you view and everything that happens as you do your research will be framed through the lens of there is no God. I have talked about this many times over the last several episodes, certainly, but over the course of our show, we come back to this again and again. Understanding a biblical framework, having a biblical worldview. What does it mean to have a biblical worldview? Why is having a biblical worldview important? It is impossible to divorce your worldview from the work that you do. How you view the world, the lens through which you view the world, will dictate in so many ways the conclusions you come to when you see what is happening around you. That's why I have said over and over and over again, as Christians, we need to work very deliberately, very intentionally to develop a biblical worldview. We have to know what the Bible says, and we have to be committed to responding to the world around us from that perspective. You deciding that you don't like what the Bible says, that is a decision you can make, but that doesn't make the Bible wrong. It just means you've decided not to follow it, not to adhere to it, not to believe it. Having a biblical worldview starts with Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, in the beginning, God and then moves to creation and explains the creation account. We have to start with the right framework so that we can see the work that we are doing clearly. And again, your philosophy, your worldview will certainly become a part of what you do. And we have to be very careful to understand the bias that is inserted into so-called science. He goes on, Williams does. Williams believes there is a God who has revealed himself in creation as well as in his word. Quote, "The, the exhibit reaffirmed all the elements that I believe in, in terms of my faith and also applying the faith to the question of science and scripture, Williams said. Many of the scientists in the age of science, who we all read about in our textbooks about the laws of physics and chemistry, were believers first. They were theologians first. People like Kepler and Newton and Faraday and Maxwell and many others. They were driven by their faith and their understanding of their calling before God to fulfill that calling. Um, 
man, another great point. He, clearly, he's thought about this, spent a lot of time working on this. But looking at those who first believe in God, they're theologians first, they have studied God and who he is and how he interacts with man, that would then drive them to asking how the world around us, the natural world, how creation can be understood in the framework of God the Creator. That's what drives the decision to study. Williams said, uh, going back to this article, the first great commission which can be drawn out of Genesis 128 to subdue God's creation was obeyed by many earthly, uh, many early scientists. God has provided his creation with everything, including the scientific order of creation, the mathematical order of creation, chemistry, physics, and optics, which are all clear demonstrations of God's order in creation. I believe in the biblical account of creation recorded in Genesis 1 and 2, bearing the image of God. He gave man not only the calling, but the ability to seek out that order. I think this exhibit will certainly help people re-examine questions that they have in life if they think that there is a conflict between science and the Bible. Williams delivered a presentation on what it's like to be a practicing Christian living the life of an astronaut. He says, quote, I hope to share with people how I was selected as an astronaut in 1996. I came in with a mature faith and understanding of the doctrines of creation. Williams, a retired U.S. Army colonel, said right before his presentation, quote, and because of the public perception that science and the Bible were in conflict, I dedicated a lot of studying in those early years so that I could be equipped to answer these kinds of questions going into my career as an astronaut because I know this topic comes up all the time. I want to talk about how the Bible supports and informs science with the elements of the mathematical order of God's creation, our calling as humans, bearing the image of God, and how God has equipped us to explore and extract that order and utilize it for the glory of God and the good of mankind. And that gives the foundational understanding for the biblical worldview of how we can understand the history of technology development, for example, and the history of human progress, it's the God-given ability that stems from his call to subdue his creation. There is more to this article. Uh, but I, I love the perspective there, and I, I love it when <laughs> someone like um, an astronaut uh, who has spent so much time studying and practically working out these issues, Jeff Williams, who spent 5,000 or 5,000, 5, 534 days in space. Uh, these are issues that he's worked out and he has viewed them from the lens of scripture. He's viewed them from a biblical viewpoint and come to conclusions based on his perspective. When people tell us that the Bible and science are necessarily in conflict, what they're actually saying, whether they know it or not, and many do know it, what they're actually saying is that the Bible is an area that requires great faith because there is no evidence to support that faith, that it is something that can be personal, that we can hold on to, that we can uh, put our hope in if we decide to. But on the other hand, there is something that is real and concrete, and that something is science. It's very interesting in Romans chapter 1 when the Bible talks about belief and faith. It talks about how there is no excuse to reject that God is. 
we could talk about salvation and we could talk about the gospel and we could talk about uh, these other uh, issues, but the, the very, very basic issue, the very foundational issue of God is something that cannot be rejected. Why? Because even the world, the sun, the moon, and the stars, the order of the planet on which we live, declares God and his glory so that man is without excuse. The Bible, particularly in the New Testament, after describing creation in the Old Testament and the New Testament, helps us to understand that it is the world that we live in that provides the evidence for faith in God. We could then go over to the New Testament book of Hebrews in chapter 11 that tells us that faith is substance and faith is evidence. There is so much uh, substance, things we can hang on to. There is so much evidence, that which we can see, that supports a belief in an eternal God. Have you ever picked up a towel set because it felt really soft in the store? But then when you got to use it, it's not very absorbent. It's basically a towel that's leaving you out to dry. That's why MyPillow has developed the MyPillow towels. Towels that work. I know, it's mind-blowing. A towel that actually dries you. Their six-piece towel set includes two bath towels, two hand towels, and two washcloths. They come in a variety of colors, and right now you can receive a six-piece set for only $49.99 when you use promo code SITREP. Go to MyPillow.com right now and click on the radio listener special. MyPillow products come with a 10-year warranty, have their 60-day money-back guarantee, and are incredible. To receive this amazing offer on the six-piece set of MyPillow towels, just go to MyPillow.com. Click on the radio listener special and enter promo code SITREP or call 1-800-870-0283. That's MyPillow.com, promo code SITREP. And that is the scientific realm. It is the evidence. It is the substance, that which we hang on to. Faith and science are not in conflict. They complement one another. What we know about God from the Bible is substantiated as we study, honestly, scientific, the scientific world, the world around us. There's another article here, and um, I wanted to share some of this with you as well. This is, a, it, this is an older article. Um, the title is, In Pursuit of Truth, a Journal of Christian Scholarship. Um, that's the, the journal, of course, In Pursuit of Truth. The, the article title is, Science and Christian Faith, Conflict or Cooperation? Conflict or Cooperation? I don't want to read a lot of this, but I will read some of it to you. Uh, man, it's so important. The Origins of Modern Science. That's the first section. Uh, he talks about the scientific revolution. The author here is Robert C. Fay. Modern science arose in Western Europe in the 16th and 17th centuries. The events of that period are known to us as the Scientific Revolution. The first, in 1543, was the publication by Nichols, uh, Nicholas <laughs> Copernicus of his heliocentric model of the solar system. Among the developments that followed were Kepler's laws of planetary motion, Galileo's telescopic observations, Newton's law of universal gravitation, and experimental studies of gases by the chemist Robert Boyle. It is significant that the scientific revolution occurred in a culture permeated with a Christian worldview, and striking that nearly all its leaders were deeply committed to the Christian faith. Both Copernicus, as an administrator of the Roman Catholic Church, and Johannes Kepler, a Protestant, were devout Christian believers. 
Galileo remained faithful to his church despite the opposition of individuals in the academic and ecclesiastical establishments who were unable to accommodate his discoveries to the Aristotelian, uh, Aristotle's view. (laughs) Uh, I can read. I just don't always do it well. Aristotle's view of the world. Newton spent more time studying the Bible than doing science, and both Newton and Boyle were prodigious theological writers. Uh, so that's the foundation. Now, we, we understand when the, uh, the field of scientific research came into being, it was brought into the mainstream. That field was developed by theologians, by people first who believed in God, who believed that God uh, is and was the creator, who viewed the world from that perspective. Uh, in uh, his book on atheism, um, our friend who's been on this show several times, Eric Metaxas, uh, talks about the origins of uh, the scientific community and scientific study, talking about men like those who were just mentioned. And our understanding so often, we're told, is that the church rejected them, particularly men like Galileo. There were individuals certainly that did reject what they were teaching and what they were saying, But these were men of faith who were taking their belief in God and applying it to what they were studying. The question then he asks in this article is, why did modern science arise in Christian culture? One can ask the question, why is it that modern science arose in the Christian culture of Western Europe rather than in ancient Egypt, Greece, China, or the Middle East? Though non-Christian societies made important contributions to mathematics, and astronomy, none of those societies produced anything remotely like modern science. For science to get going, one needs a set of presuppositions or foundational beliefs about the natural world. This is great. These beliefs include the following. So again, the author here says, look, before science, that is the study of science, can even begin moving, there has to be a, a foundational set of beliefs. What are those? Number one, The universe is good, and it is a good thing to know about it. (laughs) That's a pretty good uh, place to start. If people believe that matter is evil, they won't be inclined to investigate it. Number two, the universe is regular, orderly, and rational. If people believe that material behavior lacks order, they won't bother to study it. Number three, this order could be of two types. It could be necessary order, in which case we should be able to discover the order by pure thought. Alternately, it could be contingent order, in which case we must discover the order by observation and experiment. Belief in necessary order is disastrous for science, whereas belief in contingent order is essential to its development. Uh, Let me go back here. Uh, What is necessary order? Uh, We, necessary order says, uh, we should be able to discover the order by pure thought. So we can just sit and think about it. That's necessary order. We can figure it out just by thinking through it. Um, Contingent order requires experimentation and observation. And that's what we have settled on. Number four, human sense perception and reason are basically reliable and the regular patterns of material behavior are intelligible to the humankind. Uh, I'll sum that up this way. There is order. There is order. These beliefs seem obvious to us but only because we live in a culture that has held them for hundreds of years. Other cultures held quite different beliefs about the material world. 
A number of historians have suggested that modern science arose in a Christian culture because core Christian beliefs provided the presuppositions needed for science to get started. British scholar R.G. Collingwood has written, The presuppositions that go to make up, his, uh, make up this Catholic faith, preserved for many centuries by the religious institutions of Christendom, have, as matter of historical fact, been the main or fundamental presuppositions of natural science ever since. How do these presuppositions follow from the core Christian beliefs? Number one, the scientists of the 17th century believed the material world to be good because God made it good. Genesis 1 ends with the comment, God saw all that he had made and it was very good. Moreover, the essential goodness of matter is affirmed by the incarnation, that is Christ coming to us. Number two, the founders of modern science believe that the universe is regular, orderly, and rational because God is personal, rational, and faithful. Number three, they believe that the order of the universe is contingent because the existence and behavior of the created world depends on the will of a sovereign God. The importance of this theological perspective for science is that one cannot deduce the behavior of the natural world from first principles. God would have made a world that behaved in, many, uh, in, in any way he wished. So if you want to know how the world does behave, you have to go and look. Hence the importance of observation and experiment, an approach that distinguished the science of the 17th century from the deductive approach of the ancient Greeks. Number four, 17th century scientists believed that the behavior of the material world is intelligible to human reason because God has made us in his image and given us a mind with which to think. All these beliefs follow from the Christian doctrine of creation. Uh, this article continues, but what a great perspective on this. Science and Christian faith, conflict or cooperation. This is in a journal of Christian scholarship by author Robert C. Fay. Again, there is so much information there. I read really, really fast. What I want to communicate, what I want to communicate to you is that even though we're living at a time when culture around us, I would say the world around us, but culture around us, these so-called intellectual elites, those who have been beating up on us even for the last couple of years about trust the science and, and so many articles and so many conversations about how those who have rejected the science, so-called, are those people of faith because faith and science are in conflict with one another? Absolutely not the case. People of faith do not deny science, do not diminish science, do not push science aside. People of faith just view science from a biblical perspective. The starting point is God the creator. And they look at science, the scientific method, our observation and experimentation, the conclusions we come to as opportunity to highlight, to elevate, <laughs> Who God is. To go back to Hebrews chapter 11 and understand that faith is substance and faith is evidence. And that faith, the substance and evidence, is all around us. To understand that man is without excuse when it comes to a belief in God. Now, again, gospel and so many other issues we could discuss. But belief in God, man is without excuse because the natural world that we live in declares who God is. 
There is no friction. There is no conflict between God, the Bible, and real science because they work together to, as we should, give glory to the Creator, God. So when we hear people who tell those of faith to set their faith aside when considering science, what those people actually want people of faith to do is to set aside the truth of God and accept agenda that they are supporting with the conclusions they have come to based on their own philosophy and worldview as they look at science. Again, going back to Eric Metaxas's book on atheism, Is Atheism Dead? Uh, the first half of the book, <laughs> excuse me, the first half of the book is science. <laughs> but then the second half of the book is archaeology, and I love that he brought that discussion together in that way because he takes history and he takes science and he brings them together overlaid with what the Bible teaches about geography, about science, about creation, about how the world was initiated and how it has been maintained, how people have moved from one place to another. He takes science and he takes uh, history, he takes archaeology and brings those together. And what do they do? They provide substance and evidence. They provide physical support for what the Bible declares to be true. Why does any of this matter? It matters for this reason. As Christians, we must have confidence in what we believe. We need to recognize, we need to understand that the Bible was not simply given to us as something that we can hang on to personally and should never share with anyone else, that we should be afraid to proclaim it because it may not be true. We need to understand, and we can see it as supported by science and the scientific method, that we can see and understand that the Bible and the truths given to us in the Bible are undergirded by those things that we can actually hang on to. God is not telling us to believe Despite evidence, God is telling us to believe because of the evidence. We can be confident in what we believe. The heavens declare the glory of God. What a truth from Scripture. Christian, we certainly are living at a time, and I don't know how different this is than a lot of other times, but we're living at a time where many will do whatever they can to undercut our faith. And if they can't destroy our faith, they will be happy to just remove the power from our faith. To allow us to believe over in that corner over there, over in that space over there, away from culture and society, and that's what this discussion really comes down to. Those who have a philosophy and a worldview that denies God in conflict with those who have a philosophy and a worldview that elevates God. That's where the friction is. <laughs> the friction, the disagreement, is not between Christians and science or God and science. 
the friction is between those who deny God and those who accept him. And when we understand that, it clears up not just this issue, but so many other issues that we deal with in our lives. When we understand uh, that the real friction is a result, the fruit of us viewing the world different than those who don't accept the very basic premise that God is. And I want you to have confidence in what you believe. Hang on to the Bible. Understand that the Bible is given to us by God. Uh, we need to do a whole episode on where we received the Bible from, where it came from, how it was developed. Fascinating, fascinating. But hang on to the truth of the Bible. Pursue it. Seek to understand it. And watch the lens of Scripture. as a science and the scientific community support what the Bible declares to be true. Um, have confidence in who you are. I hope this helped to you. Again, this is a, a starter conversation, if you will. This is a place to begin. I, I love stories, and that's why I started the first article. Uh, I love stories of men and women who are in the scientific community right now who are also Christians. <laughs> they step back and like, no, this isn't. This isn't in conflict. These things, they, they complement one another. And uh, Jeff Williams is one of those people. Uh, he has spent the majority of his adult life in this community and says, hey, as I look at science, it strengthens my faith. And I'm very grateful for that. Um, I, I love that. But I want us to be strengthened in our faith as well. You don't have to be a scientist or a theologian. You don't have to know everything to be confident in who God is and your faith in him. And uh, I'm very glad for that. Again, I hope this is a help to you. If you have not yet subscribed to this podcast, please subscribe. Uh, we'd love for you to continue to receive this content. Very important that you do. And the only way you will is if you are subscribed. So please do that. And then take some time. Go over to The Situation Report on YouTube. You go to YouTube, search for The Situation Report. You'll find our channel there. You can subscribe. Then hit the notification bell. That would be fantastic. Uh, and again, we'd love to have you in that community there as well. A lot of great episodes that you can follow along on. Please share this content out with others. That's the only way that this show grows and continues to spread. Uh, very excited as we look down the road, even into the next couple of weeks, about some of the great guests that we're going to have on. And uh, man, we have been blessed with the guests that we have had. And we'll continue to have uh, men and women on to discuss world issues, cultural issues, help us to navigate a world and a culture that is constantly changing around us, but giving us the right information and the right perspectives to do that. And we want you to be a part of that community. So thank you for joining along today. And we look forward to talking to you next time. Many of you know that my day job is working for an organization called the Mighty Oaks Foundation. I've had the opportunity to work with the Mighty Oaks Foundation for a little over 10 years now and very grateful for that opportunity. I served in the United States Marine Corps and left in 2003. When I came back from Iraq and got out of the Marine Corps, I transitioned and had some of the same struggles that many of our veterans today have. Uh, that transition time can be very, very difficult. 
I moved on with the help and support of my family and others in my close-knit community and really, in many ways, tried to walk away from my service. It was too hard, too difficult for me to look back, to remember, to stay connected, and so I chose not to. About 10 years after I walked away, I was reconnected with many of the men that I had served with in Iraq and even before that Iraq deployment, and came to understand that so many of the men that I served with did not do well. I came home and I struggled, but I had a family around me and I had a community around me that helped me to get back on my feet and continue moving forward. So many of those that I had served with, however, did not have the same opportunity. They came home and didn't have that family around them, that community that could lift them up. And so they made some decisions, decisions that we talk about often in the veteran community. I was reminded about 10 years after my service that some of the men that I served with in Iraq came home and struggled and decided that it would be best for them to end their lives. Others who had not taken their lives, but who had struggled from one relationship to the next, from one job to another, and had never really gotten back on their feet. I learned after 10 years that walking away from my military service was not really an option. (laughs) You see, we think we can hang our uniform in the closet for the last time and walk away, but our obligation to those that we served with remains. It was at that time that I had the opportunity to get connected to the Mighty Oaks Foundation. It was just getting started. I met our founder, Chad Robichaud. And together we began to work on what is today a national nonprofit serving veterans, active duty service members, and more and more the first responders in our community. That's what we do. You see, Chad served in the Marine Corps as well, and both of us have an understanding, and so many of the folks, many, many folks that work with us now who served in the military and in the first responder community understand that we may get out, we may hang the uniform up, but we still have an obligation to care for those who have served or are serving. That's exactly what we do at the Mighty Oaks Foundation every single day. We run programs across the country for those who have served, veterans, or are serving, active duty service members, those who are serving in their community as first responders, police officers and firefighters, and others in that first responder community. We serve them by helping them to understand that there is life beyond their service, that their identity should be wrapped up in more than a uniform or a job that they've done or are doing, that there is a purpose, that there is a plan. In fact, that God the Creator has something He intends for them, and that if they'll simply align their lives to the life that He has for them, so much of the trauma, so much of the difficulty, so much of their past, so many of those things that have a hold on them, they may not go away, but they won't maintain the hold and the control. Here's the message we try to convey and communicate. There is hope, and there is a community of people found within the Mighty Oaks Foundation that understand where you've been because we've been there. We don't have it all figured out. We're certainly not perfect, but we've taken some steps to move forward and we want to take you with us. That's what we do. How do we do that? Again, by communicating the fact that there is hope, by connecting with others who've been there and know how to move forward and by getting around you and supporting you as you begin to take those very important steps yourself. The Mighty Oaks Foundation is blessed to have supporters across the country that make it possible for us to do the work that we do at no cost to the veteran, the active duty service member, or the first responder. For you to attend our program, you simply need to set aside five days and come to one of our locations, one of our facilities. We'll do the rest. There will be no cost to you for the program, no cost 
for the transportation to get you to the program. We do all of the planning and all of the logistics. You simply need to get there. We want to remove every obstacle for you to get the help, the encouragement, the strengthening, <laughs> the hope, the renewal that you need. We're thankful for the opportunity to do that. Perhaps you are not a veteran or a service member. You're not in the first responder community, but you care about those who have served and are serving our communities. Well, you may fall into the other category then. Perhaps you're someone that can support what we do financially to make it possible for those folks to come along. Maybe your support is not financial support, but you know someone in your community, in your town, in your church, uh, in a club or something else that you're a part of that could use this kind of support and encouragement. Plug them in. Let us help them. Let us get them on the road. No cost to them. We want to do the work, but we need you to get them to us. That was a lot of words. If you listen to the show, you know I say a lot of words sometimes. So let me point you to the one place where you can get all your questions answered. MightyOaksPrograms.org is our website. MightyOaksPrograms.org. There you will find more information about what we do as an organization. There's an application for those who would like to apply. Fill that application out. Our team will get back to you. Set everything else up. If you would like to support the work of the Mighty Oaks Foundation, you'll find a place to do that there as well. And there is also a section for resources. So many of you know people who need help but may not start by coming to a program, attending a program, but they would read a book, they would watch a video, they would listen to a testimony. We have those resources there for you as well. So please come and join us at the Mighty Oaks Foundation's website, mightyoaksprograms.org. Our veterans, active duty members, and first responders need our support. Maybe you're in that category. You need our support. And that begins by going to the Mighty Oaks Programs website, mightyoaksprograms.org.